This episode of Stuck in the 80s is brought to you by... Mrs. Staten has decided to leave me. Let's celebrate. The 80s Cruise. Find out more at the80scruise.com. Travel back in time to the 80s. Reliving the shenanigans. It was the early 80s, and sex was still a good way to meet new people. The disappointment. That's a real shame when folks be throwing away a perfectly good white boy like that. And the self-confidence. I'm six foot, three inches tall, and maintain a very consistent panda bear shape. Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Sure, it's not 1985 right now, but who knows what tomorrow will bring. Hey, welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Steve Spears. And today, with Valentine's Day nearly upon us, it's time for the best duets of the 80s. I would rather listen to Fran Drescher for eight hours than have to listen to Michael McDonald. Nothing against him, but if I hear Yamo be there one more time, I'm going to Yamo burn this place to the ground. I'm going to tell you, my heart is as black as the desk that I'm sitting at, but I have faith that my two uh, co-hosts today are going to pull it off. Uh, please say hello to Brad in L.A. and Carol Jansen. What's up, Spearsy? Hey, guys. It's, you, know, you almost sound sad. Oh. Well, after wrong? an opening like that, what are we supposed to be like? Yay, Spearsy's heart is black. <laughs> He's going to die. <laughs> I love Valentine's Day. Love songs are the best. Do you? Are you being sarcastic, really? No. I don't think she is. I know a couple of women, and I, that's the kind of thing that they say sometimes. When you grow up. Your heart dies. Who cares? I care. So, over the history of Stuck in the 80s, uh, which is now in its 10th year, um, we've done maybe five Valentine's Day shows. One of which was an anti-Valentine show, which I, I was really behind that. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, how many of them were happy? None, none. <laughs> I don't think Steve has any happy Valentine's Day. Stories. I don't. I notoriously have very bad luck with Valentine's Day. Um, had have seen my share of breakups about this time of year. Um, so my second marriage ended right before Valentine's Day about five years ago. But that was a good thing because it saved me a fortune in gifts and dinner. They do say that it puts a little extra pressure on the relationship. It does. Oh, guys. <laughs> <laughs> But but, but and that's but why we need Carol here. Like, so, could you guys just sack up? Come on, <laughs> yikes! So here's the good news, though, is that the pressure's all off me, and it's all off Brad because Carol has volunteered to give us her top five favorite duets of the '80s and and her bottom five oh, duets of the '80s. Man, I'm telling you, I got the artillery loaded. This is going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> so no pressure on Spearsy and Brad. But I hope you've uh, got some good armor on today because we're going to shoot some holes in some of these. I don't uh, think so. But, Maybe. But, but, of course, thank you for your, all your hard work. <laughs> wah, wah. <laughs> Let's get started. What's your number five pick? Well, my number five duet is the music you actually hear before you have that first magical kiss with that person. That one person you've been thinking about and it's it's just – so romantic. This song is magical makeout music. I think that 
if you're in a so-so relationship right now, this song will bring you back into love again. Wow, that's a lot of power. This is Crystal Gale and Every Rabbit. They sound so sweet and so pure. It's a 1982 song, Just You and I. Just you. You know, I know this song like the back of my hand, and I, I swear until today I did not know that was Eddie Rabbit and Crystal Gale. Yeah, it's kind of a carryover. It's very, it has a lot of 70s-ness to it, like the strings behind it and stuff, but man, they just sing the hell out of that song. They Doesn't both it sound just so you, good. Oh, it's wonderful. They're just such pros, and I know that's like, they, it sounds like I'm damning them with faint praise, but you know, when I hear them singing, I'm like, you know what? You can't make a record like that anymore. Those voices, their voices are so completely exposed. It's just them and the microphone. You know, today you'd auto-tune that thing to death and <laughs> it just, you would lose all of that. There's so much, it really is a very pure sound. Yeah. Brad, I, it, it, you're so technical. What about the love? <laughs> well, but that allows the love to flow. Te- technology allows the love to flow. Ask anybody. <laughs> um now, did they, were they in a relationship? Were they an actual couple? No, no, no. Okay. Or not that I'm aware of. Okay. I just, I'm just curious. I, I know that this was like – you know, people talk about like the late 90s being sort of a crossover period for country and pop. And I think a lot of people forget it. The early 80s was just as much. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you forget how long Crystal Gale's hair was. Oh, my gosh. Oh. And you forget that Eddie Rabbit's now dead. Is he yeah. really? Long he died cancer. of – 1998. Ah, there goes the Valentine's show. Nice job. He still Count on Steve. <laughs> He's dead, you know. He's dead. That's, another, <laughs> that's another interview we'll never get. We'll never get him on the show. Um, yeah, he died. He would have died seven years before we started the show. So, oh my gosh, I had no idea. Yeah, yeah, I didn't either. But yeah, no, it's a, I, I don't know who I, I thought was singing the song, but I thought it was somebody else. I, I had no idea that was uh, two country stars. So you're off to a good start. See, look, this all isn't right. going to be painful at all. Okay. You, you, you want to try number four? Are you ready your, for my number four? Bring it. Number, number four on okay. your best of list. Okay. Well, this song maybe didn't have the initial success on the charts when it was released. This came out in 1986. But it is so richly romantic because the couple singing this was truly in love when they recorded it. It's an R&B duet. He was married and they were having a clandestine love affair. <gasps> she, yeah. No. She oh, was angry. Listen, she was so angry that he wouldn't leave his wife that she channeled that into another song. She was still saving all her love for him. This isn't Alanis Morissette we're talking about. No, no, no. Oh, no, that's 90s. That's my other podcast stuck in the 90s. Oh. <laughs> It's it's been noted that he carried a torch for this beautiful young woman until the day she died. But Spoiler alert. Let, yeah, but let's go back. No, no, let's listen to it. Let's go back to when their love was new. In it's the way you feel when you look at someone you love and you can only see the good things. In the voice of Miss Whitney Houston and Jermaine Jackson, it's 
If you say my eyes are beautiful. say something right now i don't think i've ever heard this song before in my life it was released later on her greatest hits really okay which oh you know what i didn't buy that (laughs) (laughs) that must be it (laughs) let me hang on let me look let me look through my collection real quick here (laughs) no nope no 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 greatest hits of Wow, that's interesting. So Jermaine Jackson and Whitney Houston were a thing. Yes. Wow. You can hear it in the song. It's so, so pretty. I got to say, I don't think Jermaine brings much to this. Am I missing something there? Has he got a great voice? Because I don't think he does. Uh, there's there's nothing going on there for Jermaine. And, you know, Tell Me I'm Not Dreaming. That's the only Jermaine Jackson song I can think of off the top of my head. I can't think of one off the top of my head. But Whitney just... Houston? Oh, Oh yeah. my gosh, what a voice. Yeah, no, she's great. Um, you get a little bit of that. You hear this part and you just, you know, it's sad. Again, the sad Valentine's show. It's sad that she's gone. And it's sad that she was gone so long before she actually passed away. I mean, when she got into yeah. the whole crack is whack thing, you yeah. know, the Whitney Houston that we knew from the 80s was no longer around. This is like the saddest Valentine's Day show ever. Not, just not what you needed, Steve. Yeah. Hey, but I will say this. Um, you know, released in 1986, so I would have been Brad and I would have been sophomores in college. So I doubt we were watching much MTV or listening to much pop radio. Yeah. So what about that- what about Jermaine Jackson's "Do What You Do" song? Uh, if I heard still- it, maybe I would recognize it. See that. I think that's the reason why why I don't have any attachment to the later half of the 80s because at that point I'm listening to the albums that I bought or tapes that I made and I'm not <laughs> listening to radio. There was no college radio station in Gainesville. It was it was, it was you know, mainstream rock. So, I mean, I'm not saying it's a bad pick. I'm just saying. Not familiar with it. You, you really yeah, sell it. You sell it well. The backstory is great. I think if anything, yeah. that, that moves it. I, I'm, I'm cool with it being on the list just because of that. You know, I got some interesting facts out of this. Yeah, okay. I mean, your description almost made me cry. So that that's good, right? <laughs> of course, okay. like that's a big just wait. <laughs> yeah, that's like a huge accomplishment these days. But you know, um, <laughs> hey, oh, Steve, great. your milk is past the expiration date. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're we're two down into our list of the top five uh, romantic duets of the '80s by Carol Jansen. What is number three? Okay, so my number three duet, this song touches your heart at a time in your life when maybe love isn't all that hot and bothered. Maybe you're just what? hopeful. Maybe maybe you've made mistakes or you're moving on and you, you know, but now you know what to do. 
there's a potential romance ahead. There's hope. All right, well, I'm still willing to marry you. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Well, takes for nothing. The Next Time I Fall features Peter Cetera in his, I think this was his second solo hit. It was released in 1986 after he left Chicago. But it's sung with a beautiful vocalist, Amy Grant. Her unique vocal helps this song really stand out. I did have another Peter Cetera duet that was After All with Cher, but in my opinion, Amy trumps Cher. What do you think? Duh. Well, let's play this song and find out. I love this pick. Thank you oh so much. Oh my gosh, much. it's unanimous. <laughs> I love this pick. I love this song. This is, uh, oh my gosh. And you never hear it. When's the last time you heard this on uh, 80s on 8? I never hear this song, which is a gross uh, oversight. It is. I mean, Amy Grant was a Christian singer at that time. And I remember reading somewhere that Peter Cetera, the song was written by uh, Bobby Caldwell and Paul, and Paul Gordon, given to Peter Cetera. And he was out there looking for a new voice. To duet with, I remember. Yeah. yeah. And and people were suggesting Amy Grant. And he's like, yeah, you don't know if I really want to hold the whole, you know, Christian music scene attached to this. And But yeah. but let's face it. It's a brilliant song. Brilliant song. You, I'm you three for three. Yeah, you're <laughs> Peter Cetera's voice is just, it is of the time, you know. I'm sure he's still out there doing his thing, but... I understand why he left Chicago because Chicago wanted to go be Chicago again instead of Peter Cetera's backing band. But, oh How much God. would you pay? How much would you pay now to see oh. Chicago with Peter Cetera again? I would pay a lot of money to see that. And have, and have him do basically the Peter and Cetera like, era. Yeah. I mean, that I would write a pretty big check yeah. to see that. <laughs> so, but uh, no, this is really good. Um, Bobby Caldwell, um, some of the old timers might recognize him. He had a 1979 hit called. What You Won't Do for Love. Oh, yeah, I remember been, that one. It's been covered over 70 times. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Including Go West, which I uh, covered it in 1993. So. Oh, nice. So, so you, you described this song as being like, you know, when I hear this song, what I think about is people who are friends and are thinking about dating. Like, they've been talking to each other through their relationship hassles, and they're like, you know what? You get me. Next time... I'm going to ask you out and not, of course, seeing the eventual train wreck that is going to come when you realize that you had this great friendship that you just screwed up by trying to date them. Exactly. But exactly. Uh, I still, oh, I love this song. I love this song. I think I, I listened know. to it about 10 times last night when I got home. Oh, yay. I don't know. I'm going to get the lyrics now. Next time I fall in love, I'll know better what to do. Because yeah. the first time it was wrong, you're ready for the next chance. So you think this is people getting back together? No, no, no. No. Okay. I think no. it's two people who broke Next up. Next time it'll be with you because... Next time I'm going to follow through. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I, those two voices together, it's, it's fantastic. Yeah. And if you'd have picked Cher, I would have had the pitchforks and torches out. No, this is 80s magic. <laughs> yeah, it is 80s magic. <laughs> no can no, no the true magic, words were spoken. But can the magic continue with your number two pick? No. No. Oh, I, oh, what could it be? What, what, what could not bring the magic? You're, with you're, a setup you're like that, stretch. Carol. 
with a setup my like number that, no 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 my number two delivered. song is not being about together my number two song is when you cry my number two song is when you break up okay. and my number two song is probably one of the saddest songs ever this holiday is about love and this song is about the end of love what makes wow. Spearsy cry <laughs> well i cried remembering when i discovered i was not the only girl my boyfriend was dating on valentine's day oh. and that's when we began our separate lives stephen bishop penned this about his romance with karen allen but it's much better suited to phil collins and mary martin this is what makes me cry God, that's a dagger to the heart. That really is. Yeah. Totally. But but you're totally worthy of being number two. Totally worthy. Not not about I mean about love, but the absence of it. Maybe I mean, Spears would probably put that at number one because uh, of who he is, and yeah. I would be okay with that. Well, it, people who remember back to the infamous breakup episode of Stuck in the Eighties, it's like Dimaggio has his hitting streak. I have the breakup episode of Stuck in the Eighties. <laughs> <laughs> Put that on a business Tell me card. more. It'll be on my tombstone. Well, he had that breakup episode. He had that breakup episode. <laughs> and we ended the show with um, this song because I thought it spoke best to the whole how the whole thing with VGF ended. It was one of those shows that we put together. And at the very end, I said, well, let's just let the song finish without any credits or anything. Not, you know. Yeah. Just really go for the uh, heartstrings on this one. So, and, and we did. And I, to this it day, works. I think it's, it's. I still listen to it probably once every few months. But yeah, Stephen Bishop, who um, God, he had so many hits. He had yeah. uh, on and on. Save it for a rainy day. Um, he appears in Animal House. He's the guy playing the guitar on the on the staircase. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's awesome. So John Belushi smashes his guitar. That's yeah. where he met Karen Allen, oh. and he said he wrote the song for her. <laughs> After they broke up, so oh. wow, yeah. The opening stanza to this, the you know, you called me from the room in your hotel, and you know, like you can tell that she's not understanding how painful it is for him to hear from her. Like you're telling, we're me not all this still stuff. friends. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to move on here, and you're not letting me when you call me. So, quick aside. When Katie and I got engaged, she was calling her friends to tell people, you know, the news. And she called this guy that she had been dating right before she started seeing me. Ooh. And I'm like, why are you calling him? And she's like, oh, I just I want to tell him. I think he'll be excited for me. And I'm like, no. I don't think he will be. And, you know, she calls. And I'm, you know, I'm kind of hearing him through her responses to his, you know, because I'm not mm. listening to the whole conversation. And I could tell she just didn't understand, you know, she, 
at first I think he thought she was calling because like, oh, hey, I want to talk to you. Like maybe we could get back together. Like who knows what he's thinking. And then she tells him that she's engaged and the phone calls over in about 20 seconds. <laughs> like that was a bad idea. She's Guys like, don't yeah. want to know that? Yeah. No. 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 <laughs> That was, what, 20-plus years ago. I'm sure she hasn't spoken to him since. You know how we want to hear that? We want, we want like, a friend of a friend to tell us. Like, oh, did you hear that uh, Karen got engaged? Yeah. Like, what? I didn't even know she was dating him. No, no, no. She's, she met this guy, like, six months ago, and, and he, he asked her uh, to get married a month later, and she said yes. Yeah, I mean, Katie and I started and then- dating about – Two weeks after she broke up with this guy, so uh, I mean, it was it was a little fresh there. And how that's did, how long break into your "Missing You" song? Yeah. Oh, the the yeah, I ain't missing you at all. No, well, that that's when you go home and spend the night drinking wild turkey and cursing at your cat. Yeah, I guess so. Well, that's how some people handle it. Let's just put it that way. Okay. Okay, so you've left you've left us wondering. We've we've gone through four great uh, duets from the eighties, including that one. I find it hard to ever top it. But what is Carol Jansen's number one duet of the 80s? My number one Valentine's Day love duet is about when you've had your first love, you've had those sparks in chemistry, but maybe you were too young or maybe something just wasn't right. And now, after so many years gone, you realize that you still want your first love. I I can truly say that rekindled love feels so comfortable. It's probably better than any other phase in your life. This song reminds us that we may have kept that best secret part of ourselves for only that one person. This lush rolling production by the genius David Foster also provided his rare vocal performance with ONJ with the best of me. Olivia Newton-John, 1986, I think, right? Yes. You, you chose a lot of songs from 1986. I had a long, long list, and it was really hard to break it down. So I picked, I picked songs that touched on different phases of love and romance. Yeah. I like the story arc. Well, I tried. It's good. It's good. But part part of me wants to know what was going on in Carol Jansen's life in 1986. She listens to a lot of pop music. I was a happy single girl. that's the title of her autobiography (laughs) no but i truly love i've come to love david foster he is so amazing can you tell me any of the other work he's done Um, well i mean obviously he's best known for the love theme from saint Elmo's fire fire what about co-writing a song in 1983 with the tubes what? No, didn't know no, that. Did not know that. He helped co-write songs like Talk to You Later and then a little theme song I've heard. <gasps> no. Yes. Don't fall in love. She's a beauty. She's a beauty. She's a beauty. 
Carol Jansen theme song is a David Foster unbelievable it, it, song. The tumblers are falling into place yes. here. I feel the, cosm- the cosmic clickers have all aligned. <laughs> and you know, he also produced a lot of Peter Cetera stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! Here we this go. is too carefully constructed. I'm living in an alternate universe. This can't be a stuck in the <laughs> '80s episode. I, I do know now. This song, I have to admit, is very unfamiliar to me. If I ever heard it, I maybe heard it once, but I do know that it was co-written by Mr. Richard Marks. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Indeed. My BFF. We'll see him on the. Hades <laughs> Hades cruise. Yeah, I think he's staying. He's staying. I think he's staying in our cabin. <laughs> David Foster's so he's such a great music producer. I mean, he helped discover Celine Dion and Josh Groban and Michael Bublé. He's got careers going. Those are three people I really care a lot about. I just love his musical production talent. And and this is one of the only, like I said, this is one of the only songs I've ever heard him perform vocally. He's got a good voice. There's nothing wrong with his voice. I got to tell you, I was ready to completely throw you under the bus on this one, Carol, until I just realized how deep David Foster's ties are into all 80s-ness and all the other songs on this show. Damn it. Ugh. I no. want it to be right, but I it's think like you're Jingo. right. We can't, we can't take a shot. I can't take at, a shot. Yeah. And the, it's the, the song itself like. is so, it just is so 80s. And I say that a lot, but it's just all the layered synth and the, oh, yeah, the kind of the, the chorus on everything and the, oh, it's real soft. You know, <laughs> that's the, Mr. the video Foster. is all soft focus and stuff. Although, have you, did you watch the video all the way through? Who's the girl that comes into the studio at the end? It's the other woman, of course. I think he was married to Linda Thompson or. So is she? Is he singing with O and J, and she's upset because she's not in the studio? Like, what's the storyline there? It doesn't really mesh with the. I thought song. we didn't talk about videos on this program. I'm just asking a couple <laughs> questions, since you know. I will say that there is an art. There, there appears to be an art form, and it's it has yet to be mastered about how to record a video for a duet, because aren't for the most part most duet videos pretty poor. Uh, it's a lot of singing to each other. Uh, you know, that one, they're in the studio and they're kind of you know, working through some things. And they're pointing at the sheet music and then they're in the hammock together. And you're like, wait, what's <laughs> going on here? It's a little awkward. <laughs> it reminded me of the uh, the Drew Barrymore, Hugh Grant movie. Anyone Crickets. seen that? Um, what's that? Music and lyrics. Is that right? Oh, oh yeah, gosh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 I have feelings for that movie. <laughs> I I love the song. Um, oh yeah, the the style parody thing at the beginning. Yeah, the, the oh, whatever eighties so par- parody song they came up with. Uh, Pop so goes my heart. so good oh yes that's amazing so let's talk about ones you may have left out i have to say again carol i was ready to come in here and say incorrect put almost paradise at the top of this list or i'm never speaking to you again but eh, you won me over i i think i still would have had almost paradise in there per- it's, that's, an, that's it's an honorable mention guys it it was there also i love lita ford and ozzy osbourne's 
you know, yeah. close my eyes forever. But I can't work that into a Valentine's it's Day show. It's not very romantic <laughs> when you look at the lyrics. I love the song. It's a great performance for both of them, but it's not particularly yeah. romantic. I mean, it's the alternate title when I take a dirt nap. <laughs> also, one of your favorites, James Ingram. How do you keep the music playing from the movie Best Friends? That was on my list, but it I couldn't, you know, it was outnumbered. Yeah. Is that Burt Reynolds and uh, Goldie Hawn? Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, I loved the romantic movies in the early 80s. They were, they were, you, know, you get like two superstar, you know, actors, actresses on the screen and there's like marginal chemistry and just let them go at it. Well, it's, it's not all peaches and cream here at Stuck in Ease. We also have to talk about the five bad duets of the 80s. And I know Carol has found some for us. So, Carol, please begin with your number five bad duet. Okay. I, I hate these songs so much. I really don't even, have, <laughs> I don't even have much data or story or anything. But the number five song that I, the number five song I hate is from that horrible movie that when I went to go see with my friends, they loved it. And I was, I was disappointed. I hated it. Oh, say the words. I know what movie you're talking about. Say, <sighs> the words. say it, say it. Dirty dancing. Yes. yes. <laughs> Play the song. God, do I hate this song. <laughs> Recorded by Bill Medley and Jennifer Warnes. It was selected to be the finale song for the 1987 film um, by choreographer Kenny Ortega, who would later be known for, I guess, what did he do? The final uh, This Is It production for Michael Jackson yep, when he yep. died. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, very odd in the sense that most pop songs don't start with the chorus, but this one does. And it's also seven minutes long. Oh, seven yeah. minutes of your life that you'll never get back. Six <laughs> minutes and 48 seconds too long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's awful. Indeed. I, Brad, did you like Dirty Dancing? No, I've never seen the movie all the way through. What? I have never seen this movie all the way through. I've seen How the did... ending, but I've never seen the whole thing. Hmm. And it's I have not zero good. interest. It's poorly Let's acted. It's poorly acted. It's a bad movie. It's a bad song. It's a great pick for bad songs of the 80s. Nobody puts Baby's song in the corner. Yeah, but we just Carol. <laughs> Carol, t- tell us your number four song. This is Roberta Flack and Peebo Bryson in 1983. I just – I don't know if it's the title. It's just I don't have any reason to celebrate anything here. It's Tonight I Celebrate My Love. What I want those to do is to 
like it. Yeah, the title's a little schmaltzy. Yeah, a little. <laughs> I mean, could you could we get away with saying that? Like, hey, babe, tonight, let's celebrate our love. Well, no, that's totally different. Let's celebrate our love. It's tonight I celebrate Ooh, my love. I think, for you. I, think it's I all touched. about like I'm going to go in the bathroom for ten minutes. I'll be back. <laughs> ten minutes. Brad. You know, you're defending the whole celebrate our love thing a little. No, no, hard no. There. I'm saying that this song is ridiculous. It's so one sided. I'm going to celebrate my love. What are you going to do? <laughs> That's nasty. Unfortunate word choice. They're not my words. Um, I'm going to say that I don't hate this song, but I can certainly see why you wouldn't like it. And uh, it only peaked at number 16, so thankfully we weren't tortured with it. I don't remember ever roller skating to it, which is an extra bonus. <laughs> Tonight, I celebrate. Yeah, no. It's it's impossible to mock it without sounding like a really bad opera singer. So, yeah, that's a good pick. So, number three. Number mm. three on Carol Jansen's list of five songs that make her want to kill people. This one is probably the title as well. Okay, this one is probably also based on the title. It's Patty Austin and James Ingram, Baby, Come to Me. Nothing sounds more romantic than come to me. <laughs> Not when you say it like that. No. Yeah, and I'm the one who's bringing the podcast down. <laughs> no, you're the one brought into the toilet. <clears throat> it's out of the toilet, but I don't know. Maybe it's heaving into the sink now. I'm not sure. Did you just say turlet? Turlet, maybe. Turlet, turlet. East Coast. Is that a Florida thing? <laughs> and well, it's hard for me to articulate right now. I'm smiling so much from this great oh, list that we have. So, okay, which okay. rare? These are muscles I rarely exercise, and so uh, I, I um, baby, come to me. Hmm. I don't know. Uh, produced by Quincy Jones, Michael McDonald appears doing background vocals. I know that much. Yeah, I never got uh, that far. It's kind of R and B, but it's not yeah. enough to save it. You know, you know why we heard this song, why this song was so well known back in the early 80s is that it became the theme song for Luke Spencer on General Hospital. I watched that so often. My mm-hmm. mom did. My mom did like crazy. And it would always be on about the time I got home from school. Okay. What, and th- was that and this when was right- he raped Laura? Oh, I don't know that he so much raped her. Oh, no. <laughs> Check your storyline. Steve. I don't know. <clears throat> Steve is never sure about rape. It's just it's uh, sad <laughs> but true. In the early 80s, it was, it was a storyline more, more often than maybe it should have been. I'll leave it at that. Maybe come to me. Yeah, it was um, – the soap operas loved grabbing these duets and milking them on their storylines. And, and General Hospital was particularly uh, – remember, I remember when, um, when uh, Luke and Laura got married, wasn't uh, Christopher Cross's song, Think of Laura? Wasn't that like a big to-do and um, stuff like that? Sounds familiar. Again, I – I'm aware yeah, that that yeah, happened, yeah. but I don't oh, know I don't, about it. I don't know that well, I'll, Sorry, I'll I didn't add, watch it. <laughs> guys, I'll add that another soap opera duet that almost made my list was from Days of Our Lives. Which that was, was Friends and Lovers. Okay, there's only a couple picks left. So, Carol, give us your number two pick for worst duet of the 80s. I can't imagine these two singing about making love. This is... Dolly Parton and Kenny Rogers 
with their islands in the stream. No, I hate this song. Islands in the stream. a huge hit though I mean, this was like this was like the beginning of the mm-hmm. 80s this is what everybody was listening to well kenny rogers did duets with basically anybody with a pulse too he had so many big hits or duets you gotta admit though he's making a comeback now with those uh commercials that where he's making fun of uh no his song in the game i love that no wind and he, he's looking better too yeah did he yeah, yeah. have reverse plastic surgery yeah it's yeah. like it's sagging again Islands in the Stream was written by Barry Gibb. Uh, actually, all the Bee Gees members, Barry, uh, Robin, and Maurice. Nice. And it's named after the Ernest Hemingway novel uh, and sung by uh, Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton. Yeah, released in 1983. I would have thought it was 1980. That's crazy. I would have said the yeah, 81 or so. Right about the same time, just shortly after Dolly Parton uh, scored with uh, 9 to 5 and right after Kenny Rogers hit number one with uh, Lady. Lady. <clears throat> so what did this is this before or after we've got tonight? Um, I do not know," said the man with the so podcast, with Sheena Easton. We've got oh, tonight uh, was eighty three as well. Okay. God, boy, nineteen eighty to nineteen eighty three is just. Kenny Rogers was basically printing money. Let's face it. Yeah, I hope he saved him. some of it. Yeah, I liked that song. <laughs> no, see, I, I like I. I listen to stream doesn't bug me, but it's. I yeah, that just doesn't do anything for me. I don't. I I don't like it. Let me let me ask you My this: if, if we had a chance to interview either Kenny Rogers or uh, Dolly Parton for Stuck in the 80s, which one would you pick? Kenny Rogers. Yeah, Kenny. Yeah, because I'd ask him all these questions about six pack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, Kenny. This entire show is not going to be about six pack, but a lot of it will be. But we might consume one. Yeah, I like that movie. I used to have it on VHS. I know the plot and all the songs backwards and forwards, including Level Turn You Around. Is that the one where there, he's a truck driver? No, race car uh, driver. Uh, yeah. And oh, Aaron, okay. and he's stock, uh, stock car racer. Yeah, yeah, and he's making a comeback, and he um, basically inherits these six kids, these ne'er do wells, and, um, and he falls in love with Aaron Gray from Buck Rogers. And that's sign me up. What more could you want? It's <laughs> <laughs> the perfect movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, it is a, it is a fun movie. It's a fun song, and uh, but Islands in the Stream not so much fun. That leaves us with one spot left in the Carol Jansen list of you know. It's just weird when I say your name. It just it I have to use the full name for some reason. It's like it's trademarked that way. Um, <laughs> top five Mr. list. Jansen, down, thanks you. Yeah, we're down <laughs> to the number one pick in the Carol Jansen worst duets of the eighties. Take it away, Carol. I just hate the song "Guilty" by Barbara Streisand <laughs> and Barry Gibb. <laughs> This song reminds me, uh, let's see, this came out in uh, 1980. 
This reminds me, my brothers and I would look at my little dog Sprite, and she accidentally had an accident, and we would sing, Guilty Dog. It was, you know. <laughs> I, no, I, don't I, like, I don't like this song. I, I don't great. particularly like Barbara Streisand, so. She had her time in the 70s. That was great. My dad used to have the albums, and I would listen to them lying in front of the speakers, but... No, I don't like this. You know what? I'm going to go out on a limb and say um, I like Barbara Streisand better as an actress than a singer. She's in Funny Girl, right? That's really that's Girl. really great. That's Prince hilarious. Of Tides. Prince of Tides, amazing. Never saw it. Or Nick Nolte. Oh, Yentl, never saw it. Um, but yeah, as a singer, no, not really my thing. The main event, never saw it. Good pick. Ten very good picks. Yeah. Thank you. You know what's nice is that I, for the most part it. Maybe two or three of those would have been on my list. So it's kind of nice to hear some songs that we would not have normally picked. And your six other female listeners might like it as well. Yeah, they might. But you know what else they'd like better? The Seggies. Ah, the missed refrain of Reader Mailbag. Um, we have a letter this week, uh, a letter of heartbreak. Perfect timing. Perfect timing. That arrived just yesterday, actually. When, when Brad and I were sitting around talking, we are like, we really need if to only we had a letter. Steve Hampton uh, writes in with this tale of woe. Brad? Okay, this week's letter is from Steve Hampton, and he writes, Dear Spearsy and Stuck in the 80s Nation, I wanted to share a story of heartbreak. Not on the same scale as Gary from Last American Virgin, but it affected me nonetheless. It was in the fall of 1981, my freshman year in high school. I was a little scared of high school because, you know, you're overwhelmed by the number of people and the buildings and such. But those went away soon enough when you realize you're in the midst of so many good-looking girls. More of them and much older than 8th grade for sure. These were women. I was encouraged by my newfound opportunities that were not available before. Dating, dances, etc. In one of my classes, there was a girl who I sat next to who was one of the best looking I had ever seen. Let's call her Dawn. I had a few small talk conversations with her before and after class, and after about a month of the semester, I decided to exercise my newfound venture into adulthood and ask her to the high school ritual known as the homecoming dance. I finally got up the nerve to ask her after class one day. She said that was nice and that she would let me know. Mm. Foreshadowing. A few days later, I was in the cafeteria eating lunch with my friends, and she came up to me and asked if she could talk to me. I got up and walked with her away from the table. There, she proceeded to tell me that she could not go to the dance with me. She said something about not enough time to get a dress and such, and so she was very sorry. I was cool with it. I said, well, thanks for letting me know, and returned to eat lunch where my stunned friends were in disbelief. I not only had talked to a girl that good looking, but that I had asked her out. So I was feeling pretty good about that, and that was the end of that. Or was it? (laughs) I don't know. I shouldn't be laughing. No, you shouldn't. You're an evil bad man, and that's why we love you. The week of homecoming came, and as a freshman, I took in the week-long festivities, including the Friday night game. The dance was on Saturday night, and since me and my friends were all dateless, we decided to go to our church fall carnival, which was right next to the high school. From the carnival, you could see the gymnasium and briefly hear music and see a little bit of the lights. It pained me a little to see it there, wishing I was attending, and some of the people who went to the dance were mingling over to the carnival. They looked so mature in their tuxedos and gowns. 
I did see one guy I knew from a class. Let's call him Jim. I walked over to Jim to chat him up and see how the dance was, maybe hoping he would say, it's just hot in there and the music sucks, or something to make me feel better. I said hey, and when he turned around to say hi, under his arm was... Dawn. Oh. The same Dawn that had told me she couldn't go with me because she didn't have time to get a dress and such. She looked stunning. When she saw me, she had this look of horror on her face. She gave me a cordial high and then turned away. I think I gave a delayed high and then I walked away. I'm sure I was not the best of company the rest of the evening. On Monday, I purposely moved where I sat up a row so I wouldn't have to see her or have to make small talk just to avoid an awkward situation. I don't think she said a word to me the rest of the year. After freshman year was over, she transferred to a new school, and I never saw her again. It would be another year before I would ask a girl out. As I look back on it now, it doesn't seem so bad, but for a 14-year-old, it was pretty devastating. Thank you for allowing me to share this with you. As you can see, I am hopelessly stuck in the 80s. Wow. Steve. Was there anyone else that was just listening to that and seeing it play out right in front in in the back of their brain? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're you're standing on the tracks and the train is coming and you're like, yeah, here it comes. Uh, I mean, I can picture the carnival. I can picture the cafeteria. I'm like, ah. Yeah. He paints a picture. Painful. You know what? You know. Hats off to you, Steve, because you could have you could have said something to her. You know, you right. could have, and but you were the classy guy. You took the high road. Well, yeah. Here's the thing that you know that first paragraph when she said, "Well, I can't go with you for whatever reason," and you're like, "Yeah, okay, that's cool," and go back to your table. If the st- story ends there, you're you're like a hero. Like you asked her out, she said no, and you're like, "Yeah, okay, whatever," and you moved on with your life. But that's not how it ends. Yeah. That's that's good. I, I really that's like this is an uplifting story. That this is a lesson to all of us. That you know it's better to take, to take the, the high road. road. Yeah, high road. Oh my god, I feel spent. As always, we love your letters. <laughs> I mean, heartbreak letters are just I, I savor them like the finest candy in the world. So send them to sitages at gmail dot com, where Steve will live on the negativity in your life. <laughs> where I will I will suck the darkness out of your bone marrow. Be happy, Steve. Ah, the theme song for Stuck in Stuck in the 80s. Um, We don't do this enough, but this is the part of the show where we play a clip from a previous show, something from the the glory days, you might say, of of Stuck in the 80s. I don't like to think so. I'd like to think that uh, we're still cranking out some pretty good stuff. I asked Brad to go back and listen to like what five. We have to go back. Yeah, <laughs> Marty, we have to go back. <laughs> what Brad I, find? I said go back and find a good story from a previous episode from about Valentine's Day. And, and what did you find, Brad? Well, so I found a clip, uh, one of the old Valentine's Day shows, where Steve, you're talking about a tradition that um, that they had at your high school, where you could buy a carnation for somebody. Oh God, not that. And you could either. You know, you could send the carnation with your name on it, like a man, or you could send the carnation anonymously, like a mouse. So let's see let's what be Steve mosses. did. <laughs> he does live in Orlando. He hint, does. Hint. So this is from episode two seventy five. Technically not a Valentine's Day show, but but uh, this was actually our last show done in the studio back in. There was St. a Petersburg. lot of love in that show. There's a lot of love and a lot of lost show. love in that show. So uh, here's the clip. 
Hey, let me ask you, is there somebody from your high school days that you 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 know you never knew if there you know the love was uh requited? I think that's an amazing discovery that Mark has made. I'm being sincere here. Yeah, I'm thinking. Um when I was a senior, we had a big thing we had a big thing in my high school all all, all four years. But on Valentine's Day you bought you could send a carnation to somebody. You could either put your name on it and send it to someone or you could send it to them anonymously. And there was I think three or four girls who I always really thought were special. And if I had more courage then I would have asked them out. So for Valentine's Day my senior year, nineteen eighty five, I sent them each a carnation anonymously. And I never told them Really about it. Um Years later, at the 20th high school reunion, I, I bumped into two of them, and I told them then that I had I was the one who gave them an anonymous flower. They hugged me and said that was real cute, and and um, you know, it was just it, it felt good. It felt good getting that out of my system. Bullshit! You got it out of your system because you were hoping to get some. No, no, I. My 20th reunion, I know we've talked about this before. It was a real cleansing experience because I went to people that I had problems with and we said, you know, I had a problem with you back then and or this or that. And every, everyone left that thing feeling really good about themselves and, yeah, and each other. Yeah, I bet other. you did. No, it was, it was a good – that's what I'm always saying. 10-year reunion. You sobbed at the end, right? Oh, I sobbed for like a solid day. Wow. 10-year um, reunion, total nightmare. 20-year reunion is what kicked off Stuck in the 80s. Stuck in the 80s began three weeks after my 20th reunion. You can you can trace it all back, this entire goddamn show, to those four carnations. Yeah. To wow. those four carnations. Wow. I, 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 I can't even follow up on that. It's so powerful. You can read another letter. Yeah. Ah, the carnation story. It never gets old. I think it's sweet. Well, the carnation story, but then it, the way that you tie it all back together at the you know at the twentieth reunion, I talked to these people, and I you know there was some closure, and that all led to what we're doing here today. Talking, you know, that led to the podcast. I can remember the names, the full names of. I think I sent five, and I oh. want to say I can remember the names of three of them now. Cast your net wide, O Fisherman. It was um. I don't know if I want to use their full names. I'm, I'm sure they don't listen to the show. And, it, and if they do, it doesn't matter. It, 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 you know, it was meant out of affection. So it was Noel Williams, Marianne Nebraski, and Kelly Cosmo. Those were three of the girls that I sent the carnations to. So nice. Yeah, that was a that was a nice tradition that we had back then, and it was really fun to do. I don't know how I pulled it off doing it anonymously because you had to go pay the money and write it down. So. It was, Clearly, whoever took my money and saw the name I wrote down knew who I was sending a carnation to. But I'm overthinking. And five it. of them? Well, you know, yeah, <laughs> players got to play. <laughs> yeah, I want to say it was five. Maybe it was three. Those are the ones. It I was thirteen. Sure. I, you know, it's hard to keep track. It wasn't thirteen. Thirteen dollars to to a sixteen year old in the mid eighties is like a fortune. So <laughs> yeah, that's like two. That's albums. a lot of lawns to mow. But that was a great tradition, and then all day during um, school, you know, like someone would show up at the like at the Classroom oh, door. the ASB would deliver them? Yeah, yeah. So like it'd be, you know, halfway through class and someone would knock on the door and come in and say, I have a Valentine's Day for Marianne and, and you know, would give her the rose and everyone would be like, oh, who's it from? <laughs> it says anonymous. I hope it's we not Steve. <laughs> <laughs> we don't talk like that. Um, you did uh, that. You know what? 15-year-old girls probably do though. Yeah. And so – and people would send carnations to guys too. All I wanted in my Madly four years, all I wanted in my four years was just one person 
to send me a carnation, and it never happened. Oh, Steve, you gotta. We were doing so good there, and then it all comes crashing back down. Again. <laughs> it's, I'm over it now. <laughs> sure, you are. It, it tortured me for 19 years, but I'm over it now. So. Well, I don't Happy really remember Valentine's any Valentine's Day. Days in high school. I don't think much happened there. But I, as an adult, I have what I call my own personal Valentine's Day massacre uh, when I really screwed up on Valentine's. My, uh, Brad, you did? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So Katie was pregnant with the twins and had been on bed rest for like two months. So she wasn't leaving the house at all. And I came home. And I'd been working a lot, working a lot of hours, and I come home, and I didn't have anything. I'm completely empty-handed. And I'm like, well, she's been trapped at home. She'll be empty-handed, too. No, no. She'd had one of the neighbors go out and get me some stuff. She got me a video game I wanted and a <gasps> card and some chocolates. And I have oh. literally nothing. Oh. Zero. Oh. This hurts. Oh. oh, my gosh. It was bad. And I felt like an absolute turd. Just like I can't tell you what a turd i felt like what did you, you made it you up to her how did i explain do? it i i just i you know something stupid like oh i'm sorry i've been so busy you know oh it's the 14th i always thought about <laughs> no it was the i just i mean <laughs> all you honestly all you can do in that moment is take out your sword and throw yourself on it as hard as you can because it's like yeah boy i one up there's no two oh, ways God. about it but i i could see in her face that she just was you know, she was distraught. And, you know, she was at, like, month seven of a pregnancy that was not a particularly pleasant one. So she was... Emotions you know, are high. Reasonably emotional. I won't say that there was not there was not a good state for her to be in. That's just where she was. And so that was... I, I, can st I can still summon up the look on her face. And it just... It makes me feel like an absolute shit. So if I ever start thinking, boy, I'm a pretty good guy. I got my stuff together. I just... Yeah, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. Uh, if you have a favorite stuck in stuck in the story you want us to, to retell, uh, just email us at uh, sitas at gmail.com. We'll be right back after this commercial break. Cruise back to the 80s on the first ever 80s cruise. Seven days in the most radical party to ever hit the high seas with a totally awesome lineup of artists that define the sound of the decade. Join Huey Lewis in the News, Richard Marks, Starship, Cool in the Gang, a Flock of Seagulls, Modern English, Naked Eyes, Tiffany, Wang Chung, and Jessie's Girl, the ultimate 80s party band, and the original MTV VJs, Nina Blackwood, Mark Goodman, and Alan Hunter. As we cruise to exotic ports of core like Grand Turk, San Juan, St. Thomas, and the private island of Half Moon Key, we're going all out by building an 80s video game arcade with Donkey Kong, Mario Brothers, and of course Pac-Man, showing movies like Ferris Bueller and Pretty in Pink, and there'll even be a VJ contest. Don't forget to pack your best 80s looks because we're having a prom night, a movie costume party, pajama party, and neon beach party. You can't miss this. Sailing from February 28th through March 6th, 2016 for the most gnarly vacation ever. For more information, log on to the80scruise.com or call 844-384-8080. And we're back. We have just a 
few minutes left. It wouldn't be duets of the eighties unless we talked about the bromance duets yes. of the eighties. Oh, so many good. I mean, if you really want to talk about the fun duets of the eighties, it's the guy guy ones. <laughs> it's a man on man action. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with that, really Spearsy. So, uh, Carol, did you come up with the top five list for us here, too? I did. <laughs> Number five. <laughs> to all the girls I've loved before. All the girls we've loved before. Who traveled in and out our door. We're glad they came along. Julio and Willie. I rented Julio and Willie one time, and it's not what I expected. It's exactly what you expected. <laughs> yeah, this is this is like our uh, song that only our parents can identify with, or yeah. girls that we respect a lot. <laughs> yeah, this is just a yeah, this is a weird song. Yeah. 1984, let's move on. Uh, number four, I see a song on there that I'm not going to be happy about either, but go ahead and say the name. Number four. This was a another cover song. It was 1985 with Mick Jagger and David Bowie, Dancing in the Streets. You want to talk about bad videos, by oh, the way? Yeah, why? Why? A thousand times. Why did they do this song? Was this for a like a charity album or something? This, I think, it was right before Live Aid. Because didn't Mick they perform Jagger, this on stage? I do not know, but I why does so. Mick Jagger yeah. get in the face of David Bowie? It's like they're sharing spit. It's so gross. Yeah, it's not. It's not a pleasant thing. It's not attractive. It's not attractive. Plus, it's a cover of a cover of a cover, and it gets mm-hmm. a little old after a while. Number three. I like this song because I like Phil Collins. This is Phil Collins and Philip Bailey in Another 1985 song. You're really put this, put this one at the top of the list. This is the best. This is really one. no. I, this is number one. It's you know back in high school, we used to have. A, I don't think I've told the story before. We did the lip sync competitions. No, really. Wait, tell us about this lip sync. No. What? It's, it's, it's <laughs> one time contests? I was, there's this one time I was on the 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 top floor of the Sony building and I was interviewing Duran Duran. <laughs> Always dance with your daughters, preferably your own daughters. I but think that's so we had lip sync in my school and. Um, Somebody did Easy Lover. So they had the whole thing where, you know, Philip Bailey and, and, and Phil Collins come, you know, bounding on the stage and like have the awkward handshake before they start singing. They recreated that for the lip syncing thing. It was kind of funny. 
It was a little funny. I, I mean, to this day, I kind of remember remember this song more for lip sync than for the actual song. Phil Collins at the height of his power. Philip Bailey when Earth, Wind, and Fire was you know the king of the you know the funk yeah. universe. Oh, it's wrong with it. It's great. It's great. I listen to it if it comes on. But uh, this next song sadly does not come on enough. Number two. This song is my favorite workout song. I I somehow got it on my iPod and. I just love it. It's 1982. Steve Perry, Kenny Loggins, Can't Go Wrong with Don't Fight It. This is Spears' number one, and I respect that. It's so fun. It's a good bromance. Fun. Uh, you know what? You're right. It is a better bromance because the other, in Easy Lover, they're more like complaining about this, you know, vixen. <laughs> obviously, it's nothing's not. There's nothing wrong with them. It's obviously the woman. But this is just a fun song. Yeah. Tonight we're gonna raise some hell. You know, or whatever. I just. I like it. I just like Steve Perry this, at this time of his life. So really fun. And, and I remember when we interviewed Kenny Loggins, we specifically asked him about this. And he was like, you guys really are stuck in the 80s. And we're like, yes. <laughs> well, that's right there in the title. <laughs> so what is possibly left? What is possibly left for what your list? What could be better of- than that? Nothing. Well, I pre-call shenanigans. <laughs> number one. This is called Bromance. And my number one song is 1985. Clarence Clemens, Jackson Brown, and Daryl Hannah. Got to give a little chick a prop there. You're a friend of mine. This song reminds me of Stephen Brad. Stephen Brad. I see what you're trying to do there. You're trying to sway me with them. Yeah. You're trying to get it to my emotions. But. My talons are still out. I respect the attempt, but. It's a horrible uh, video. I'm demoting the song. Okay. I'm telling you, duets <laughs> duets are bad videos. It's just, I mean, I throw it out there to 80s Nation to give us some duets that have good videos. You know what? The best one might be uh, Say, Say, Say with uh, Michael Jackson and... Uh, Paul McCartney. Oh God, I know. Those songs are Get awful. Out. Bad songs. Song. So bad, bad song. But, bad oh, but song. it tells a story. Video. It tells a story. Yeah, yeah, a really good video. Might be the best video. Oh, my God. Well, this has been fun. Um, I think we kind of took Valentine's Day this year in the spirit in which it was intended, which is to mock it, full of frivolity. No, no so. I will deliver. After Brad's St. Valentine's Day massacre, I will deliver. Not to you, though, Spearsy. My Valentine's Day plans are, what day of the week does it fall on? Does anyone know? Saturday. 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 I will I will go have my golf lesson. I will come home and I will watch uh, Battlestar Galactica Marathon for the rest of the day. Not the new Battlestar Galactica, the 1980 version. Thank you very much. The late 70s version, yeah. That's that's the only love I'll have on Valentine's Day. Is it working? Anyone that's, buying this yet? I, no. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just you and Starbuck. 
<laughs> I was, what? I was more into Cassiopeia, if you don't Well, mind. sure. Who was it? <laughs> I read that Never watched too. it, guys. What? It's on Netflix. It's great. Oh, you got to go back go on Netflix. That, that's how you should spend your Valentine's Day. Get some wild turkey <laughs> and some Battlestar Galactica. So in the meantime, <laughs> Carol, uh, Brad, uh, Cassiopeia, and myself, we remain here, hopelessly, stuck in the 80s. Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> no! No, Spearsy! Stuck in the 80s is a class of 85 production. Please listen responsibly. I'll just twiddle my thumbs. Play with myself. Are you going to celebrate your love?